Turn, if you would, to Mark chapter number 4. Mark chapter number 4. Anyone write quickly? Amen. Want to brag on the Lord? All right, one more. Right quickly, right quickly. Amen. We don't usually get a, we don't take an opportunity to do this much, so if you want to brag on the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I just want to take a moment and just thank the Lord. Praise God, He's so good. How many of you, I give several of our teachers and our, our, especially our bus workers and those that work with our kids, a message on the secret place. How many, you know, let me stop right, stop right here. Out of four, verse 35, let's stand together. I'm going to read a portion of this. When I get to a certain place, I'm going to ask you to read the rest of it, so read real good and loud. And same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, you read the rest of the verse. Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillar. And they awaked him and said unto him, what's the rest of that? Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? They feared exceedingly and said one to another, Read the rest of it. What manner of man is this? that even the wind and sea obey Him. Let's go to the throne of grace. And I'm going to ask Barry Goodman, if he would, to please pray. Amen. You'll be seated. We have been in a series of thought on a supernatural God. We begin by looking at the thought, do you believe in miracles? With this statement, that if you believe in God, you've got to believe in miracles. He is a miracle working God. Amen? And how that the incarnation or God becoming flesh is a miracle. Then the resurrection was a miracle. Then we looked in the last couple of weeks at probably the most powerful miracle he did, witnessed by more than any of the others, was the feeding of the 5,000. Last week, last week, we looked at perhaps the most practical of the Lord turning the water into wine, the most simplest, secret miracle that he did. 
As a matter of fact, he probably, the only, to my understanding, only the servants, and Mary and just a few select people, even knew what had taken place. But the Bible puts it in the Word of God so you and I know. Tonight, the message, and don't miss this, every, every miracle Jesus did, you and I are characters in that miracle. There is a principle, there is a truth that God wants us to get and to apply to our lives. Everyone. And tonight as we look at this thought of peace in the midst of the storm, this one is, I believe, the most personal of all of His miracles. It's, it is a... If you get this message, it can be the difference of you standing and peace in the midst of your storm, not if it comes, but when it comes. Did you hear what I said? This, sum, this, this principle, this word, this message can be the difference between you having peace, not if your storm comes, but when your storm comes. Make all the difference in the world. And so tonight, now as a matter of fact, one of the most interesting places in Israel is the Sea of Galilee. It is 628 feet below sea level. It is surrounded by mountains and ravines that that almost it acts like a huge funnel is the best way I could explain it. And what it does, it pulls the cold air down to meet the hot air of the sea. And because of that, if you know anything about weather, storms comes when hot air and cold air meet. Here on a weather forecaster, he'll talk about a cold front coming in. And when it collides with hot air, a storm happens. Sea of Galilee is known for the fact of a storm coming up. Not only is it known for the storm, but it is also known for the storm coming up so quickly. Very, very quick. Uh, you don't you start seeing the clouds, the storm's there. It's that fast. But you know, that's exactly the way life is sometimes. Come home. You worked all day. You're expecting to come and eat supper and relax. Only to walk in. And this, I, I met a man just, just, a couple weeks ago, after service, standing in line at Hardy's, that this happened to. He looked at me and he said, Are you a preacher? I said, Yes, sir. Told him what I pastored and talked to him a minute. He said, I come home today, no warning, nothing. And there's a note on the table I don't want to be married to you anymore. Taken by storm. You go to the doctor, anticipating a normal checkup. 
doctor comes and a week later the lab work comes back and you have cancer. Taken by storm. You go to bed at peace with yourself. I wanted to get a call at 3 o'clock in the morning. Someone in your family has passed away totally suddenly. Taken by storm. You go to work. And no one, and, and you say, this don't happen. I, I can take you to a place where this has happened. Tonight. A man goes home on the weekend. Goes to work Monday morning and the doors are changed shut. No job. Taken by a storm. And life's out of way. Now, I need to help you right now. One of the reasons this sermon is so important, you and I cannot avoid storms. We're not going to avoid them. And so tonight, we need to get a hold of a supernatural God so when our storm comes, not yet, but when it comes, we know what to do. I guess I will never forget. I remember what I was doing. Uh, Tammy come to the house and got her mama and said, we're going to take Elijah for a checkup. Healthy child. And she was telling me the checkup was like 60 bucks. Or, and maybe four, whatever it was. I said, man, that's, that's just a waste of money. Just a waste of money. Nothing wrong with that kid. I mean, he was fat and, and happy and just nothing. And he's still fat and happy. <laughs> Don't tell him I told you this. But he said, told his mom, he said, I, I'm going to talk to, I need to talk to Papa. He said, he's been airing my stuff from the pulpit. <laughs> we had to quit airing my stuff. <laughs> Amen. Now what he don't know is I'm just prone to air his stuff every service. Amen. They went to the doctor and the doctor's just feeling around. You know how, how they do. And I, I, because I thought doctors done that because they didn't have nothing else to do. Had to charge you for something. They just feeling around. And what we had no idea within within two or three days he'd be in surgery with his kidney being taken out. I would have had no idea. Storms come and you can't avoid them. So here's what I want you to get here tonight. There's no need to fear when you understand that Jesus is your peace in the storm. Three things I want us to put in our hearts here tonight. Number one, remember the promise of Jesus. The story starts out so simple. As a matter of fact, it, it really, it, it holds one of the keys to what this miracle really teaches. The same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, what did he say we're going to do? I had you to read it. He's going to do what? What? We ain't going to start all over, are we? What? We're going to pass over, let us pass over to the other side. 
That wasn't just something to be saying. That wasn't just something to be doing. That wasn't just a statement. That was a promise and a prophecy. When Jesus told the disciples, we're going to cross over to the other side. I'm going to be honest with you. No matter what else would happen, they're going to the other side. God never makes a promise. Never makes a promise he can't keep. And what happens is, in the midst of the storm, we forget that. We forget that. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but I assure you, you've been in some storms where you felt like you were all alone. And yet you got a promise. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Got a promise. Some of you are in a storm right now, and it looks like that Je- but Jesus said, won't you come to me, and I'll help you. I'll be your shield. I'll be your high tower. I'll be your strength. And he comes, and, he, and, we, and we, we, in the midst of the storm, when the wind's blowing, and a, and a boat's uh, rocking, and waves are coming in the side, it's real hard to remember the promises. But Jesus said, remember what Jesus promised you. That's the reason why this book is full of His promises. That's the reason why we need to know what the book says. See, what we've got to understand is this. The sun will quit shining. The moon will quit glowing. The stars will stop twinkling. The wind will stop blowing. The waves will stop crashing before Jesus ever fails to keep one of His promises. I know that he's going to the other side. And the reason why I know he's going to the other side because he said, let us go to the other side. Now God's not finished with Jesus yet. He's still got a cross to be nailed to. He's got to shed his blood. He's got to be buried in a tomb. He's got to be raised from the dead. He's not accomplished the work of salvation yet. So Jesus is going to the other side. He can't He's not going to sink. He can't sink. This boat can't sink. And tonight, you and I would get a hold of this great truth and understand in the midst of the storm, there's peace if we remember what He promised. And here tonight, has He promised you anything? Oh, He's promised me a lot of things. Number one, He's promised me the devil can't defeat me as long as I keep my eyes focused on him. He's promised me as long as I keep my eyes on him, the devil can't can't do a thing with me. He's promised me I'm going to the other side. Praise God. He's promised me a home in glory. He's promised me some things on the other side, but he's promised me something else. He said he'd be with me in the journey. Here tonight... Here tonight, nothing can happen to any of us under any circumstance until God is finished with us. Here tonight, God, he said, remember. Now, they could have done this. They could have all went to sleep. They could have all took it easy. They could have all sat on the deck. But you know what? I mean, God's got a perfect record of keeping His promises. 
Would you please tell me? Now, don't miss this. People don't always keep their promises. And if your trust is in a person, you're already messed up. People may not keep their promises, but God will always keep His promises. Had broke one. And all of eternity past, He's never. So in the middle of the storm, you have to remember the promises of Jesus. Not long ago, if I believed in that tithing stuff, I said, oh yeah, I do. Why do you believe in that mess? I said, because God promised. God said, if you do this, I'll open up the windows of heaven. And you know what? He's done exactly that. Over and over again. He's promised me, He's promised me, if I would call unto Him, He would, he would hear me when I pray. He, he promised me, if I cast all my cares on Him, because He cares for me, He's promised me some things. Has He ever promised you anything? Now you say what somebody else promised you. And when we put anybody on the status, any person on the status, that if they break their promise, you're done with them. And number one, you think too much of yourself. Because I promise you, you've disappointed somebody. You ain't kept all your promises. But if we put him on that place, put him on that place, then we need to remember the promise of Jesus. He said, let us go over to the other side. Now they didn't hear that. Totally missed it. Choo! Off the top of their head. Because when the storm came, when the storm came, they were all to pieces. When the storm came, can I ask you a question? Does I'm just going to blow your mind right now. If in the morning, headline news, the dollar bill, worthless, and you were totally broke, would you jump out of the window of a 10-story building? Would you be all pieces? Who would you be? Where would you be? If tomorrow you got news, as a matter of fact, I talked to a man today, the, man today, the, the older man that owned Northwestern Drywall, passed away, didn't even know he was sick. He was sick, didn't know what he had. He's going to the doctor. They were treating him for all this kind of stuff and had pancreatic cancer. Passed away. Passed away. Here's what I'm asking you. When the storm comes, not if it comes, when it comes, what are you going to remember? Are you going to flip out? Are you going to go into panic mode? What are you going to remember? He said, first of all, remember the promise of Jesus. Number two, that's what he said. Rest in the presence of Jesus. Every detail... Uh, this miracle is so important. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. Now I'm going to be honest with you. When I read that, 
I really don't know what that means. I have searched all week, even as he was. Here's my question. Well, how was he? <laughs> and the only thing... Now, now this is Steinsology, so everybody look this way. This is Steinsology. This is my thinking. You don't even have to agree with it. Be wrong if you want to. I'm okay with that. I think he was exhausted. I'm not so sure that he bring him on the ship and he was totally exhausted. And they were also with him other little ships. Now Mark adds a detail here that Matthew, that's, that's not found in Matthew or Luke. Mark tells us there were also with him other little ships. In other words, their ship wasn't the only one on the sea that day. There's a lot of boats on the water. But what makes this one different is this. Jesus is in the boat. Now, one of the benefits that you and I have as born-again believers, I said for born-again believers, talked to a preacher friend today, and he said, I think what would help our church members more than anything else is if they got saved. Amen? I said, amen, I agree with that. I think a lot of things that would help a lot of church members if they just got saved. Here tonight, those that are born again, you have something that we never, never really grasp and embrace with all that it is. That is, we have the presence of Christ, the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. I was talking to Brother James, and he was listening to that message on the secret place, and he said, you should have warned me. He said, I went into work yesterday crying, amen. He said, you should have, been, you should have warned me. Now what that is, that's the Holy Ghost to God stirring that within us and moves us. One of the benefits about being a believer of knowing Christ as your Savior, hallelujah, we got somebody in the boat. Here tonight, can I ask you a question? And here's what, here's what alarms me. When the storm comes, we don't act like he's in the boat. We call everybody we know. We get on Facebook, we do everything we know to talk to everybody about the problem except him. We never rest in the presence of Jesus. And then something happened. These disciples didn't expect to happen. Mark says, now rose a great storm of wind. Now Matthew doesn't call it a great storm of wind. Matthew said, and behold, there arose a great tempest. Now, Matthew uses a word called seismos. It's where we get the word seismology, seismologist, the study of earthquakes. Here's what Matthew's trying to tell you to understand. This ain't an ordinary storm. This storm, like an earthquake, the waters come up in the bottom. It, it, it was unbelievable, the storm they was in. At this point, most people failed to ask an important question. Why were they out there in the middle of the sea to begin with? Well, they were there because Jesus told them to be there. 
It wasn't odd you'll take the trip. Can I help you here tonight? We're, we're, we're terrible. Baptists are terrible. We're terrible for this. I stormed. Oh my God, I started cooking when I was 10. Now God, 30 years later, has beat me to death. No. No. Because the storm comes, many times does not mean you're out of the will of God. Can I help you here? If a storm comes because you're out of the will of God, you'll know it. God don't stutter. You'll know you're out of the will of God. And you'll know why. But can I say this? Most storms, there's not a one of these out of the will of God. They're in the very will of God. They've done nothing wrong. God's angry with me. Can I help you? God ain't angry with you. Not at all. God didn't get on the boat here and say, Man, I'll tell you one thing. We got in the middle of that ocean. I'm going to show these boys something. I'm going to let them have it. I'm going to sleep. Didn't do that. No. As a matter of fact, the disciples were not in the storm because of disobedience, but because of obedience. They weren't in the storm because they'd done something wrong. They'd done something right. They were not in the storm because of the will of God. They're in the storm because they're in the will of God. Hold it. But I thought when I got saved, when I'd get on a good ship lollipop and we would just sail into heaven. No. You missed it. You got on the old ship of Zion. It's a battleship. It's been beat. Somehow or another, we've got this ideal. Can I help you here tonight? We've also got this idea. Well, the other side, God is battle. Let's go over these storms. Because I'm saying, get over yourself. No. You and the Bible said there's no temptation taking you, but such is common with man. And God said, man, one of one is a few days and full of trouble. The lost person has storm, the saved people have storm. The lost people have problems, the saved people have problems. We all have problems as long as we're robed in this body of flesh, living on a sin-cursed world. Dean's doctor, great man, Dr. Daly, uh, great man. I mean, I do Dean's surgery. Dean was asking him some questions, and I love his answers. He said, "Mr. Eisen, I want to give you the very best I possibly can." But, sir, are you a believer? And Dean said, "Yes." And he said, "Well, I am too." And he said, "But we're going to believe God." to do what needs to be done. And if God wants that arm healed, it'll be healed. If God doesn't, it won't. I'll give you my best, but God's the great healer. He got hit in the face with a tree to kill him. I mean, just bruised all up and everything else. Good man, though. I love this story. I thought about... I, I, I love this story. A man on the oil well. And old world called him fire. So he put out the bulletin, $100,000 for whosoever could put out the fire. 
All the large firehouses in the cities coming. They brought all their equipment, but they couldn't get close enough to, to put it out. There's a little volunteer fire department. And I mean, it, it was, they, they heard about it and they really could use $100,000. I mean, they really could. They had one old rickety truck, one single ladder, two buckets of water, three buckets of sand, and a few blankets. So the old truck reached a point, and I want you to know they didn't even stop. They went right straight on into the fire without hesitation. They jumped out and threw the water and the sand and took the blankets and knocked the fire down. The old man was so impressed by their display of courage, he wrote them out a check and said, What are you going to do with all that money, the captain's shaking like a leaf. Said the first thing we're going to do is get some stupid brakes. That truck fixed. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we're thrown into a fire. No thought of wrong. Could I? Could I help you? I, I, I really. Please, please help. Please listen. We as born again believers, let's quit poor mouthing. I'm going, I'm going insane. I'm going to heaven. I just laughed so hard on me. I'm just going to heaven. How'd you come to my church? Can I, can I help you? People's listening. That old, that old fellow there that may cuss like a sailor. Meaner than a junk. And, and, you, and you, you say all you want to, but he's a watching you. He's a watching you. He's a listening to how you handle storms. He's a listening. And if all, you're always a poor mouth in how bad life is and how bad it is, you're not going to convince him. He's going to say, I mean, I got a big screen TV. I got my butt dumb in the refrigerator. And I got my dope head in the house. He said, and, and, and I got better than you. Well, we're too bad. We're, we're too guilty of that. All of us. When in reality, we got the greatest story that's ever been told. I mean, praise God, you're saved. You're going to heaven. You're saved, you know, Jesus. You're saved. You got something they don't have, have no understanding about. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I get a little weary of this crowd. I want you to go, oh, glory to God. Then on Monday morning, they got their chin in their shorts, act like I lost their best friend. Where's your shout on Monday? If it's out on, on Sunday. I don't have a bit of problem with that. I'm just simply saying... We ought to be, understand something. When we, when we pour mouth, how bad our God's treating us, when in fact the matter is, there's not a one of us deserves anything God's done. We deserved hell, amen, that's what we deserved. And He kept us from it. Mark adds another detail that the others don't. That is, the Bible says He's in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. There's only one place on a fishing boat where you could get away from the bad weather. The only place is in the stern. And it was the most enclosed and only protected a part of the boat. Jesus takes a pillow with him, probably a cushion of some kind. Why does Mark add that detail for us? He adds it to tell us this. The moment 
Jesus got on the boat, he went to bed. He didn't just nod off. He didn't just fall asleep. He purposely went to sleep. Why was Jesus at peace while the other disciples were going to pieces? He remembered what they had forgotten. He was right where God wanted him to be, doing what God wanted him to do. He's with the disciples, so God was with him. In every storm you go through, you have the presence of God. And the safest place in the world for the disciples was right there in the boat. Safety. It's not an absence of problems. Safety is the presence of Jesus in the problems. Number three. Number one, he remembered the promises of God. Number two, rest in the presence of God. Number three, rely on the power of God. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. Literally, here's what that word means. It means to muzzle. It means to silence. But when you put the terms together, here's what it means to the storm. Set down and shut up. Jesus walks to the stern of the ship and says, See, sit down, shut up. And guess what the sea did? It sat down and it shut up. Just like he said he would. Jesus did not keep the storm from coming to the ship. Jesus did keep the storm from sinking the ship. Jesus had told the disciples they were going to the other side. He didn't tell them there wouldn't be a storm. He didn't tell them there wouldn't be some rough waters. He didn't tell them they'd be smooth sailing. He didn't tell them that. He told them we're going to the other side. And you and I have no idea what we may face. If I could get every Christian I know to put as much trust in Jesus and trust in His power as you do the President, the Congress, the laws, your money, yourself, we could turn the world, this group of people could turn the world upside down. Jesus told the disciples, we went to the other side. And he said, that's exactly where we're going. And they came to the other side in the country of the Gadarenes. Now here's a real lesson. Here's a lesson. And it's actually two. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? There's a lesson of fear and a lesson about faith. And when the storms come, not if the storms come, but when the storms come, are you going to face it with fear? Now, time out, time out, time out. This is where a whole lot of us have got to get graveyard honest because we're liable to tell God, I don't live in fear, I live in faith. When in fact you live in fear, and God may just send a storm just to show you you're living in fear. 
Because he can't get you to sit no other way. Are you listening? So understand, we need to be very honest with God. Are you going to, leave, are you going to handle it with fear? Or are you going to handle it with faith? Fear says, let's quit, let's run, let's do this, let's figure it out, let's run, let's, fit, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. Let's do this let's do. I mean, we're just knee-jerking all over creation. Faith says, I know what God told me. So I'm just going to believe Him. Face it with fear, or you face it with faith. Now, they'd already seen some miracles. In Mark chapter 1, He came out of unclean spirit. He healed Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. He healed an entire city of disease, cast out demons, cleansed the leper. In Mark 2, He, he healed a, 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 para, a paralytic man that was, uh, couldn't walk. And told him to take your bed and go home. Mark 3, He restored a withered hand. He's, he always showed them. He could do it. Isn't it amazing? How many times God shows us over and over and over again what He can do, what He wants to do. And yet when the storm comes, we start knee-jerking in fear instead of faith. And the Lord said, why is it that you don't have any faith? Jesus had faith in them to steer the ship but they didn't have enough faith in Him to steal the storm. So there's a lesson about faith. Here's a lesson. When the storm comes, not if, but when the storm comes, do you trust me or not? I'm going to say something that just may shock every one of you. But I know me, and I know most of you. We need storms. Because I'll be honest with you, without them, we just take everything God gives, rightly say thank you, or half-heartedly say thank you, and just want more. God forces us in storms to remember His promises, to rest in His presence, and rely on His power. And I know us well enough to know this, sometimes... Because of our stinking pride and arrogance, for lack of a better word, stubbornness, God has to put us in a storm to wrestle all of that from us till we say, God, I've got to have you power. I've got to have you. Because if you don't help me, I can't do nothing. I think. I think we have to have storms. I don't think that there's any other way God can do it sometimes. He don't want to, but I think, he, I think it's the only way He can. Because I promise you, in the midst of the storm, you remember His promises, rest in His presence, and rely on His power, you'll get to see something from God you've never saw before. Right now, I am so that God wants to do so much for some of His children. You're waiting on somebody else. God's waiting on you. God's waiting on you. Tonight, 
What are you asking God for? What kind of storm are you in? No doubt in my mind that there's some come into this church tonight in the midst of a storm of some kind. Maybe it's a financial storm. Maybe it's a physical storm. Whatever that is. I wonder tonight, do you remember? He promised you some things. Do you, do you rest in His presence? And do you rely on His power? And if you've got a hand on it, you know, here's, how, here's kind of how we do this thing. Is it not? Now, it's okay for us to just be us tonight. Here's what we do. We come to the altar, and, and, we, and we bring that storm, and we come down here and say, okay, God, God, I'm going to leave it right here. And we get up, and we start, and we say, well, I, I just don't know. Maybe, maybe I can figure this out. Maybe I can make, maybe. And so what we do is we say, okay, God, I, I'll give it to you when. God, I tell you what to do. I'll move to you when you fill in the blank. No. God, what you do is bring it, give it to Him, and let Him tell you what He wants you to do. We don't instruct Him. He instructs us. Tonight, remember His promises. Rest in His presence. Are you about ready for some Prozac by looking at all that's going on around you? I, I'm, can I grab some of you? Boy, I'm, just, I'm really wanting to try to help you. Some of you, the greatest thing you could do is throw your Facebook away. You know why? You let other people dictate your spirit instead of a holy God. Don't mess away. I don't have Facebook. I'm not going to have Facebook. You know why? I don't want to know what's going on in your life. That way I don't have to get up here and try to preach, try to fix you. He my job fix you. My job is to preach the Word of God, let God fix you. But you do well, thought mess. Some of you need some of you need to call Fox News. I know it's going to be the end of the world, but stop listening to Sean Hannity and, 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 and uh, Russ Limbaugh. You know what? They're talking heads. It makes millions of dollars creating worry and stuff in you. If you can't handle it, quit listening to it. Why don't we get back to our book, to this. Remember His promises, rest in His presence, rely on His power. Let's all stand